Hello, everyone, and welcome to an episode of That's What Bee Said. We are back after a short little break. I'm your host, Bree, at Breezy Clee, and I'm joined by none other than the lovely ladies at Brittany Mollis. Or, whoa, Brittany Mollis at Bird's Eye View, <laughs> not at Brittany Mollis. <laughs> Hi, Britt. Maybe I should change my Maybe at to you that. Need, yes, you need an identity change. Maybe it's time. <laughs> and Miss Meredith at MCAN Sports. Hello, Meredith. Hi. What if your burner was at Brittany Mollis? <laughs> <laughs> really throw him off the scent. <laughs> at Brittany Mollis Burner. <laughs> Um, well, I'm happy to be back with you guys. There's been a lot going on. We just uh, we just needed a little break, some time off. Couldn't quite figure out timing and whatnot. But, you know, we have a beefy agenda laid out for this evening. A lot has been going on. We'll get into the Brian Flory stuff um, because there's some Brown stuff tied into that, as well as, you know, the Super Bowl up and coming, obviously, the AFC Bengals versus the OBJ Rams, I guess we'll call it. So a lot of conversation going back and forth about that, as well as uh, we'll get into some social media stuff because um, the herd of sausages are coming after <laughs> Brittany. <laughs> and I absolutely love that terminology. The Baker me that Bros. This morning and he, I died. Her, the herd of sausages really hate you. <laughs> So we got a lot to get into, uh, beef and sausages. Beefy agenda. Let's Sounds get like into it. a delicious dinner. <laughs> I know, I'm hungry, actually. So, <laughs> All right, let's get into the Brian Flores stuff, because that has been um, top of mind over the last couple of days. So um, as, as everyone knows, um, the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins um, is suing the NFL and three teams, the Dolphins, Broncos, and Giants, alleging discrimination regarding his interview process with Denver and New York and his firing last month by Miami. So Flores alleges that the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, attempted to incentivize him to tank. We know all about that in Cleveland or purposely lose games shortly after he was hired in 2019 with Ross allegedly offering him $100,000 for every loss that season. Additionally, Flores alleges that Ross pressured him into recruiting a prominent quarterback at the end of the 2019 season, which he refused as to not violate the NFL's tampering rules. Ross then allegedly invited Flores onto a yacht for lunch in the winter of 2020, where he informed him that the quarterback was conveniently arriving at the marina for an impromptu meeting. Flores refused the meeting and left the yacht. Afterward, he alleged that he was treated with disdain and held out as someone who is non-compliant and difficult to work with. Bill Belichick texted Flores to congratulate him on getting the Giants head coaching job that Flores had yet to interview for. Turns out he texted the wrong Brian. He sent it to Brian Dabble. So, um, there's guys, a lot going on there. There's a lot of red flags, I think, in all <laughs> of the sentences so that I just going, read. There's so much going on. And then the full deposition, or not deposition, but the full lawsuit is 58 pages long. Holy crap. Wow. There's a lot. So I was in the office and working yesterday, um, which I always have a really hard time following with what's going on just because, you know, I'm in and out of meetings, like less distracted than I am. Like I'm sitting at home and, you know, seeing some of this stuff go down. So I hadn't quite had a chance to really delve into it. I saw the text message thing like first and read in, read into that. And then before I went to bed, I saw the Hugh Jackson thing that we'll get into in a little bit. But to kick off the situation, I think my my initial thoughts were I was happy that he was kind of putting his coaching job or potential coaching job and career on the line by speaking out about all of these things and these alleged situations because, quite frankly, I think this is more common than 
we think. Yeah. And it deserves to have a discussion. So props to him for that. What do you guys think of what's going on? Meredith, take the floor. <laughs> sure. So I think one of the, I think the hardest thing for Brian Flores to be able to prove with this lawsuit is racial discrimination. I think that's good because that's, it's very right. subjective. So I think that's going to be the hardest for him to prove. But that being said, there are things in there that if there is tangible evidence, the NFL will have to take action on. First is the tampering, you know, trying to talk to a quarterback that's in a violation of tampering rules. Um, secondly, the Rooney rule violation by the Giants. That's something that's tangible. And then the third thing that's tangible is if Stephen Ross really did offer him money to tank because those are some pretty steep sec violations so there are very tangible things in this lawsuit i think the hardest thing for him to prove is racial discrimination uh there was one of the pages i wish i had it up but like, like i said it's 58 pages long uh it looks like one of the things that he's asking for in the lawsuit is just complete transparency there was language in the lawsuit that said that uh in terms of coaching hires he wanted to see qualifications laid out for each coaching hire, including record and, and other things. So there was a lot of transparency requests, which I think is, is a really big thing. And I also, I just, overall, I'm really proud of Brian Flores because there's a very real chance that he'll never coach in the NFL again. And he knows it. Like he mm -hmm. understands that by suing the NFL, he is risking his career as an NFL coach, but there are things for him that he was just sick of dealing with and sick of mm -hmm. seeing that he just wanted to see fixed. So he's putting his career on the line to try and make things better. So I'm really proud of him for that. Yeah. First of all, it sucks because he is a good coach. Yeah. First and foremost, mm -hmm. he's a good coach. You know, I shared a tweet yesterday because somebody, let me just, let me just tell you what happened yesterday. Oh, so boy. I, I tweeted about, you know, how it's, it's tragic that in a league that is 70% black, there is one active black head coach, mm -hmm. one. And it's Mike Tomlin, and he's a hell of a coach. Mm -hmm. So the fact that that stat even exists is jarring in and of itself. And when I tweeted that, somebody came back with, you know, talking about uh, Zach Taylor and the Bengals and Marvin Lewis, who, you know, you guys know how much I love Marvin Lewis. <laughs> I have a weird obsession with Marvin Lewis. I love him. So he insulted him. He's like, he was there for 16 years, never won a playoff. Zach Taylor goes in there. All they needed was a white coach to take them to the Super Bowl. Ouch. This Excuse is the me. kind of garbage that people fill my life with, by the way. So I, I looked up some stats. You know, Brian Flores and Zach Taylor got hired the same year. Um, in Zach Taylor's first two years, he was 6'25 and 1, I believe. And Brian Flores was 14 and 15. I think that was the stat. So, you know, one is significantly better than the other in the first two years, undoubtedly. Can't dispute it. And then the third year, Zach Taylor, you know, he got Joe Burrow healthy, they had Jamar Chase. They're pretty stacked. They went 10 and seven. The Dolphins went nine and eight, which is still pretty good. He led them to, to finish the season eight and one, which is incredible. 
He, under no circumstances, deserved to be fired from that job. The fact that he's doing this, to me, is one of the biggest self-sacrifices that I think we've ever seen in sports. You know, Colin Kaepernick's another one, but Brian Flores, he sees a problem and he's taking a stand. He knows he's going to get blackballed. He knows that this is the end of the road for him. When he still, he probably would have got hired by someone else, whether it be head coach, which he deserved, or, you know, coordinator, uh, maybe GM, something. That's probably not going to happen now. That's out the window. You can't sue the NFL and expect to be back in. And he knows that going into it. Props to him for doing that. There's not a lot of people who would, who would stand up in this situation and say, this is wrong. I don't care what happens to my career. This is more important than myself. And, you know, I can't express enough how, you know, everyone should be proud of him for this. Um, and I do think, that obviously, there's merit to what he's saying. Like I said, in a, in a league that's mostly, you know, made up of black athletes, the fact that there aren't a lot of uh, black men coaches is just, it's shocking. And, you know, it's something that needs to change. Yeah. Right. Also, I I seriously wonder if Bill Belichick is going to receive some kind of disciplinary action from the NFL because it seems like Brian Flores has been gathering evidence for a while. Like you, I mean, there's no way that between the time that he got that text from supposedly Bill Belichick, I think a lot of people are saying that there's no proof that it is, but like operating under the assumption that it is, I don't think that such a fast turnaround from that text to this lawsuit is necessarily possible. So there's a, a very real possibility that he could have been gathering evidence for a while. And it seems like the texts from Bill Belichick was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. Like that is proof of Rooney rule violations. And that could have been like the one thing that he needed to really make this lawsuit viable. So if, if Bill Belichick <laughs> hadn't screwed up and texted the wrong Brian, there's a very real possibility that this lawsuit may not have been brought to light. Did you guys see the conspiracy theory yesterday? I was going to say, is no, the conspiracy was... theory that Bill did it on purpose? Yeah. <gasps> because said, that's Whoa. kind of... Yeah, because it's against the Giants and, you know, the whole deflate gate thing and oh, they're man. like... Ah, yeah, the bad blood. Mm-hmm. Revenge. Playing the long game, Bill Belichick. Look, I'm not saying... I'm not going to say that he did it on purpose, but... This it's guy, like, he's, a, he's a genius. Is there anything that he does that isn't completely calculated? Like, what are the chances that right. he accidentally texted Brian, Brian Flores about that? I don't know. It's- I mean, that's a very baby boomer thing to do, so maybe. But that being said, I, it's very, very difficult to text the wrong person, in my opinion. Just, like, with the way smartphones are set up nowadays, it's really difficult to, like, click on the wrong conversation to text somebody. <laughs> I mean, I have a story about it. I have a story, too. When someone's the same name, I can definitely see the error. Actually, there have been a few times where I've accidentally texted somebody that I work with because he has B-R-I-T-T in his last name. And I've been I'll 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 type in Brit to text Brittany. And like, I'll notice that like the, the messages will pop up blue. And I was like, oh, oh. Wrong Brit. Not- <laughs> there you go. I'm always I'm not, the green. Yeah, not not sending cat pictures to you. I'm going to send cat <laughs> pictures to Brittany. 
<laughs> so it's it is possible, but it's I, I think if you pay attention, it's it's a it's an avoidable mistake. I had to change. So in my phone, it always went dad and Danny. Oh, boy. Oh, Uh-oh. yeah. You know how many times I almost texted my dad when I meant to text Danny? Oh, and Jerry would not let you live that down. No, so I had to change. His name in my phone is now Father. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. Father. Um, I think going back to this conversation, we have to remember the NFL is a business, first and foremost, mm-hmm. right? And probably maybe one of the a corrupt business at that even if you don't want to believe that like they're a big corporation and unfortunately you see a lot of these things that brian is alleging in other companies as well i mean this is why so many companies have adopted inclusion and diversity leaders throughout the organizations because you could probably go down a list of companies that you may have worked for in the past and there have probably been similar things that have happened that unfortunately a lot of people don't speak out about because it is career suicide in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do give him a lot of props because he is essentially ruining his future. I mean, he's not going to coach in the NFL again. And like Brittany said, he is actually a good coach and he did a lot in Miami with very little. And I, I do think that his players that played for him really respected him. And that's why they were able to, eke out some wins when they probably shouldn't have over the years. You know, it's funny. Someone pointed out to me today, and I didn't realize this, um, but it kind of goes along with what's in the lawsuit, is a lot of the local media in Miami, when they were talking about the Dolphins, were getting annoyed that they were winning games towards the end of the year because they're (laughs) like, man, this team can't even tank right. And that that, goes along with the allegations of Stephen Ross offering him money to tank games you know because the owner is sitting there and saying i want you to tank here's here's an extra bonus incentive to do it brian flores says no i'm not going to do that and not only that he goes and wins games that they expected him to lose and right. um on 92.3 today dave sampson who's a former uh, marlins gm and he works for cbs sports currently he was talking about the hiring process with coaches and he said that you know, Brian Flores may not have necessarily been fired because he's a bad coach, but because he wasn't doing what the owner wants him to do. You know, there's any number of reasons that someone can get fired and the record isn't necessarily the reason why. And I actually have another like few quotes from Dave Sampson that I like threw in our rundown that I thought were really interesting because he he like he he blew up the NFL spot. Yeah, well, I think you should share because I think we should talk about the Rooney role and how we all feel about it. I mean, I know my stance on it is that I think it it means well there's good intentions behind it but like to me it's about the action it's not like an interview shouldn't be satisfying like just interviewing someone or making it that you have to interview a minority candidate it should be like a bigger requirement than that because that's just checking a box in a sense like you're just doing it to check a box and and that's pretty much what Brian Flores is alleging that is what's happening based on the the leaked text message and the that whole thing that went down is pretty much getting after well I wasn't even really going to be considered for this I was essentially just to check the box that you that you did your due diligence for with the Rooney role 
Right. So then that was one of the quotes that I had written down from Dave Sampson, where he said specifically, uh, jobs are not won in an interview. And he said that a lot of times they have they already have it in their mind who they want to hire. But if that person isn't black and they have to interview a black person, then that's exactly what they're going to do. They're just going to find someone who has the qualifications, interview them to satisfy these rules and then hire the person that they wanted in the first place. Yep. So the I guess the idea behind the Rooney rule is that, okay, if you just give them a chance, you just have this interview and then everyone is on equal footing. But what we've learned from this is that that's not the case. So there has to be a better way. That's kind of where I'm sitting, because the, the thing that annoys me is the argument that people use of, well, I don't see color. I only hire the best candidate. Like, you can't look me straight in the face and tell me that the best candidates are only white, because if you looked at the 32 coaches in the NFL, you're telling me that only one person was considered a best candidate. Right. You know, exactly. only one only one black person was considered a best candidate. And then like the stat that Brittany brought up in a league that has what, 73 percent black athletes. You cannot look me straight in the face and tell me that the white that the white guy is always the best candidate. That just the math isn't mathing. The math is not mathing. It is not mathing. Yeah, and I feel the same way. Like, you know, I think, like Bree said, the Rooney Rule was made with good intentions. I think they, you know, it was an actual effort to to get more diverse um, in theory. But this isn't going to change, I don't think, until more ownership is made up of people of color. Like, period. I don't think yes. you... They're, not going to be able to force these old white billionaires to hire black guys. They're just not going to do it. There's really no quick fix here. Um, There needs to be more transparency, which I believe that's Brian Flores' fight here. You know, you you have to be more transparent. I think it's pretty obvious what happened with the interview that he was supposed to, to go on in New York. You know, every team checks these boxes, but they really don't have intentions of incorporating them at all. They know who their, who their guy is, and that's that. Um, so, yeah, and, until there's there's more minority owners, you know, this is the Rooney Rule. It meant well, but it's not doing what it was supposed to do. Right. Agreed. So just to, to go off of the this story that went down last night, so... At Hugh Jack 10 was tweeting away last night, trying to make himself relevant once again by accusing the Browns and the Haslams specifically for incentivizing him to tank. So he was alluding that he also was allegedly, I'm going to say that, allegedly also been told to tank. Mm-hmm. So these was, claims, the, the, the yeah, the the claims is that the Browns offered him bonuses to tank, and correct. He also, and he's also claiming that Sashi and Andrew Barry and De Podesta yes, were also were involved, right? Mm-hmm. Which is weird because Paul De Podesta does not have control over day to day activities with the Browns. But anyway, I I'll, I'll get my my huge. Yeah, so I I was just going to say the Browns actually did come out um, publicly making a statement refuting the claims, calling them completely fabricated and categorically false. 
Strong statements. Yes. Very strong statements. And also, <laughs> I, I just want to say, I find it, like, very ironic that Hugh Jackson is not verified on Twitter. So when this was all going down, I literally thought it was just a, a fake account and a troll. <laughs> and based on, like, how the grammar of the tweets and how he was tweeting and then his foundation lady, who I actually had no idea who she was because she also has not very many followers, also not verified. <laughs> Yeah, I was very confused. <laughs> oh my god, Th- I think this is one of the reasons why I didn't sleep last night because I was like going down the rabbit hole of this woman's Twitter, and I was um, texting one of my co-producers my conspiracy theories, thinking that he would refute them, and instead he fed into them. And I was like, no, 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 this is not what we do. I I, I say the crazy things, and then you tell me that I'm crazy, and I say okay. But like, first off, let's start with Kimberly's tweets because that's her name. Hi, Kimberly. She couldn't even get her story straight on Twitter. Because people had asked her, like, if if Hugh Jackson had been offered money to tank, why is he just speaking out about it now? And she tweeted out, I think I sent you guys the screenshot, but she tweeted out that there was a gag, the NFL had a gag order that was expired. So now he's speaking out. And then literally 10 minutes later, she quote tweeted somebody else and said, yeah, there's a gag order, but we're just saying screw it and we're speaking out anyway. And I was like, wait. Oh, my God. So did the gag order expire or didn't <laughs> it, Kimberly? Because that doesn't make sense at all. Like that, like the timeline, it doesn't add up. And also, secondly, it expired the same exact time that Brian Flores like went up. Right. Like, Crazy, really? right? Right. Exactly. So like and here's the thing. Hugh Jackson, Hugh Jackson was in the league until what was it? 2019. He was with the Bengals before he got fired there and now he's um, a coach at Grambling State but like what is significant about February 1st 2022 like the NFL looked at Hugh Jackson and said okay we're gonna put you on a gag order for two and a half years and then you're good to go no like Mm -hmm. that's just so the fact that she first said that there was a gag order that expired and then she said that there's a gag order that they're ignoring that does not add up and then also like I mentioned before with the Flores stuff, like Brian Flores was very, very specific in what he was allegedly offered by Stephen Ross and that he was offered $100,000 for every game that he tanked and he turned it down. That's yeah. what the lawsuit says. That is a massive, massive violation of NFL rules. I think it's also an SEC violation. So if Hugh Jackson is claiming that the Browns did that for him and he accepted that money, he's not only implicating the Browns, in a massive federal violation he's implicating himself yeah so he's not doing himself any favors by accusing the browns or claiming that the browns paid him to tank as well so just things aren't things with his story don't feel factual and where we sit right now i believe the browns when they say that it's completely fabricated yeah um, so it, first of all, it takes a lot for me to ever side with a billionaire on anything. <laughs> a lot. And Hugh Jackson is that a lot, honestly. <laughs> I probably wouldn't trust the Haslams to, you know, guard my toothbrush. But in this specific case, I'm like, hmm, you know, I think I trust Hugh Jackson a little less. I told someone today. If you came up to me and said, Brittany, it's raining outside, I would put my hand out the window just to make sure. Because I don't believe anything this guy says. Do you guys remember when he went on the media tour after he got fired? Oh, yeah. Yeah. To, well, part to of clear that- his name 
of yep. whatever. I still don't understand what that was. I don't understand what he was clearing up. And if this were true, if what he's alleging is true, why didn't he say it then? Exactly. For this gag order that didn't didn't exist. <laughs> like, order, right. what are we even doing here? I, I don't understand it- why <laughs> every, like, four or five months... Hugh Jackson has to pop up out of nowhere and slander the Browns. Why yes. Why do we have to keep doing this? Did his book come out yet? No. no. That's what I was going to say. I think the media tour was supposedly to promote his book. But we there's been no, there's no, nothing on the book. Like, I actually was Googling it today to see if it had a title or a release date. And, like, the most recent thing I saw was, I think, in the Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com, from last August that said Hugh Jackson has a yet to be titled book where he's going to, you know, blow the lid off what the Browns did while he was there or something like that. Like there's just this whole like fantastical, um, like revenge fantasy is what it really feels like. And this <laughs> book that Hugh Jackson is, is supposedly <laughs> writing and publishing, but he said, gosh, back in 2020, that he was planning on releasing the book in January of 21. So it's been okay. 13 months. Right. So and I I just, I don't, I don't believe the book exists. I no. don't believe that there was, I don't believe the Browns paid him to tank. I especially don't believe that they paid Andrew Barry. Not a chance at hell would, would Barry ever accept that. I don't, no. I don't believe what he's alleging. I don't believe the book at this point. I don't know if I believe that Hugh Jackson is even a real person anymore. <laughs> like, no, he's just... I pulled up this article from 2016, and this was after they lost, I want to say to the Dolphins, maybe? Either Dolphins or Jets, I can't remember. Um, He said, this is an exact quote from Hugh Jackson himself. We're trying to win as many games as we can win. It would make no sense to tank a season. If that's what I thought we're about, I wouldn't be sitting here today. That's what Hugh Jackson said in 2016. Right, so if he was, if he's accusing the Haslams and the organization for tanking, like, clearly he was all for it based on what he was saying publicly. Right, and how would this affect his foundation? Right. If he's, imp- he's implicating himself, he's talking about, you know, bribery or fraud, which I'm, this is like felony stuff. What happens to the foundation that you've built? Like, what? What's your end game here? What exact? Because Brian Flores' end game is is quite clear. His intentions are good. What is Hugh Jackson's end game with this one? I don't know. It's a mystery, just... honestly. It seems. <laughs> and also, let's just. This is something that needs to be put out there. I don't think, and this is another reason why I don't believe that the Browns offered incentives to tank. The roster was bad enough. Like, they didn't need incentives to tank. They just needed to roll Corey Coleman out there, and they were good to go. Oh, poor Deshaun. <laughs> like, he was just a yeah. bad coach. Every time I'm bad at something now, I'm just going to say, somebody's paying me to do this. Because <laughs> yeah, that's, right. the, that's, that's acceptable, I guess. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I, Hugh. I just, I just think that Hugh is very, very bitter about how everything went down in Cleveland. I think he is bitter about what it did to his reputation. Uh, I think he, I think he's still embarrassed that, that, that he went one and 31 over two seasons to be perfectly honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just think it's all, 
Like, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't want to say it that way, but I just think it's it's just a lot of negative emotions that are building up with him and he's just letting it out. I, I really just think that that's what it is. And um, I mean, but the Brian Flores' lawsuit is class action. So it is open to other people joining. So Hugh Jackson, if he truly does have evidence, he can join this lawsuit. Sure. Hmm. So if he has evidence, I will change my tune completely. Yeah, agree. If, if there are receipts, if there's any kind of proof, I will back up and say, I'm sorry. I just don't think this exists. I don't. And the yeah. Browns basically just challenged him to deliver it. Exactly. Yeah. I, and I don't think that the Browns would have done that if they weren't confident in their words. Like the Browns right. never release statements that they are not 100% confident in. Exactly. You guys want to move on to some uh, Super Bowl chatter? Yeah. Yes. All it. right. So last weekend, obviously, we all know Bengals uh, won the AFC um, championship. The Rams won their conference championship in the NFC, and they're on their way to the Super Bowl. So in typical Browns fashion, we had to make it all about us. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so obviously, the, the Bengals being in the AFC North division, um, a team that the Browns did beat. How many times have you been in this year? Once, Bengals? right? Twice, no. They went They went to an O against the Bengals. Did we go to they, Yeah, year? they won. Oh, Joe Burrow didn't play in the yeah, last Joe game. Burrow that's that's the difference. Right. Okay, so the yeah. stat is, for all the, the Baker bros and everyone that likes to bring things that are relevant up the into the conversation, the argument is that Joe Burrow is 0-3 against the Browns, correct, in his career? Yes. Okay, right. mm-hmm. that's what I was getting confused with. So the Browns, yes, are 2-0 against the Bengals this year who are on their way to the Super Bowl. I don't know why that matters. It doesn't matter. Like. The Bengals are playing in the Super Bowl. We're like the ex that has been cast aside and already forgotten about. Um, of course, on the other side is OBJ, former Cleveland Brown, playing for the Rams. And everyone is also sick of hearing about OBJ. And I just want to say that I'm most annoyed by everyone pronouncing Joe Burrow, his name wrong, and adding an S at the end, just in day-to-day conversation. So... I don't know if this is a thing for you guys, but making things plural out of the proper context is what really gets to me. So I was listening to radio, like sports talk radio all day on Monday, even like driving into work on Tuesday. This is local. This is national. This is TV shows. The amount of times I heard people call him that Joe Burrows guy. I was like, is this your first time you've ever watched football? Is this real life? Is this real? It's like, I got to go to Walmarts today and go pick up some groceries. <laughs> well, maybe maybe they just had incomplete sentences, like Joe burrows out of his cave to become leading quarterback. No, 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 no. It was not. It, it was so not used as a, like, plural Joe Burrow. It was, like, they think his last name is Burrows. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Remember that guy on the radio the other day, Meredith? Did you yes. hear him? He was on uh, uh, I think Ken I did, and yeah. Anthony's show. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Some of the callers lately have been uh, <laughs> interesting. Oh, yeah. You know what I think it is? I think it's when people get very angry. Because it. I notice that the most when people start out very calmly speaking about the Bengals and Joe Burrow specifically because, you know, they're, they're Browns fans, obviously. And they're mad. They're still upset about what happened with the Browns season and it should have been us and blah, 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 blah. 
and they start out very calm and then it like escalates their anger you can just like feel it building inside of them and then it comes out with a pluralizing joe burrow's name so it's like and joe burrow's the quarterback like <laughs> that burrow's guy like they have burrows and we have baker it's burrows should we start calling him bakers no, we yes. absolutely should not. <laughs> yes, because remember, okay, so the other day when I tweeted at you, Brie, and I told yes. you about my ex-boyfriend. Yes. So what he used to do was, and let me preface this by saying that he was like a an actual sociopath. Um, good guy, honestly. <laughs> wait, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. How are you a sociopath and a good guy? Because he didn't do any harm, really. Like, he was, he was actually probably you know up until like pretty recently he's the best boyfriend i've ever had he was you know he was loyal he was honest he was he checked all the boxes he was just kind of a sociopath in that um he uh well i don't want to get into all it's kind of deep and weird so i'll just i'll just go into this part of it what he used to do to make people feel unimportant was add s's to their last names so, you know, he would call you Meredith Keynes or, you know, just, <laughs> just to, to let them know that they're not important enough for him to call them by their real last name. That's which... a Ron Swanson bit from Parks and Rec. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, there was this one Ron Swanson line where he was like, I don't allow people to get ch- too chummy with me if I feel they're getting too chummy. Oh yeah, chummy. he was calling them by th- I the wrong call name. Them, yeah, I call them by the wrong name just to let them yes. know that they don't matter to me. See, this like, was even pre-Ron Swanson. This was like early in the 2000s. Like this is just the kind of human he was. It was very effective. Um, you know, again, kind of sociopathic, but very effective. And I still think about it to this day. It's a good way to let people know that they're not so important. interesting. I guess it is effective because you're still thinking about it. Exactly. A lot of people commented. They're like, wow, that's actually a really good idea. So I might have unleashed something. <laughs> oh, so no. <laughs> I have to bring something up, too, about, like, the whole Joe Burrow thing, which is where I think this anger maybe lives inside of a lot of our us Browns fans. Because he's an Ohio guy, too, right? Mm-hmm. He, he was born and raised in rural Ohio. He um, obviously went to Ohio State, he didn't play at Ohio State, but he has a degree from Ohio State. And then he went down to LSU and made himself a name. But so for me, like I was thinking about this analogy because Brittany, when we were, I don't even think we were talking about Baker specifically, but people think on this show that we are Baker haters. Mm -hmm. And we've tried to clarify that we're not, like we've actually been a pretty staunch Baker supporter from since we started this show, like throughout the ups and downs. And Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's very possible that Baker's going to still be our quarterback next year. And it's in our best interest that Baker Mayfield succeeds in a Browns uniform. We all we totally get that. It doesn't mean that we can't be critical of Baker. And so I think sometimes when we are critical of the quarterback publicly on Twitter or on this podcast, people just assume that we hate Baker and we will do anything to argue against him and anything that he's done well. And that's not the case. But I was thinking a little bit deeper about this. And I started thinking about the analogy with Joe Burrow on the rise um, and even like watching some of the quarterback play um, throughout these playoffs with um, what's his face up in um, Buffalo. Why am I already blanking on his name? Josh I was going to call him Josh Rosen. It's Josh Allen. <laughs> there were we had quite a few Joshes in the yeah, 2018 the, draft. The, I like totally just blanked on his name. But so I was thinking like with Baker Mayfield, you know, we've been in this relationship now for four years 
And, you know, we've, it's been, we've had our ups and downs, right? But we've been committed to one another. Mm-hmm. We're not quite sure, like, what the future may hold, right? We're not sure if there's going to be a marriage. But if there is a marriage, we kind of we kind of know what it's going to be like, right? It's probably going to be what it is right now. There's going to be some ups. There's going to be some downs. There may not be any sparks, right? We're probably going to be friends, really good friends. I don't know if it's like the love of my life that I'm going to marry. But we could mm-hmm. get married and probably have a fine life. But when you're in that type of relationship, which is kind of what I'm likening this quarterback fan relationship with, at least me personally, is that you start to then look outside of your own relationship and what other people have. And you're like, oh, like, is this what it's supposed to be like? Have you ever been in that type of relationship where like you're in it and you're like, oh, this is fine. Like things are going fine. And then like you see your friend who's in this relationship that's like, holy crap, he treats her that way. They do these things together. He's that nice to you. Like, this is what it should be like. Then you Only start every question. relationship I've ever had. Brie. Yeah, I was about to say. I Yeah, agreed. I've I've had like I, I've dated or like I've dated a bunch of different guys, but I would say there's only been like two times where it was a significant relationship. And both times both men were awful human beings and i didn't realize because i was like so close yeah. to the situation yes exactly i mean i'm not i'm not calling baker an awful human being no but, no 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 no. Not but i this know is exactly just the analogy this is just right. the analogy of like when you're in when you're in it you don't really realize like what it what it could be like yes. until like you start seeing it and that's what i think is happening at least to me with watching some of these quarterback, this quarterback play around the league and these playoffs specifically of like, okay, but this is what it could be like, you know? And I think yes. it's fine if we want to get married and and go off into the sunset. I don't know if it is going to make us feel all romantic and like we have all this great chemistry together, but also like we don't know what else is out there. So this is just all like... I don't know what the answer is. Baker Mayfield may very well be the answer, but it just it may not ever get to the level of what we're witnessing outside of our own current situation in Cleveland. So that's kind of like where my head was going. I was like, holy crap, this is something I experienced in college with like a long term relationship that I was in where I was like, do I want to get married to this guy? Like, I think he's an asshole. And then I was like, oh, shit, he's an asshole. Like, I do not want, like, I was like, holy crap, get me out. I don't even know if there's anything better. At this point, I'll walk away. We're not there yet in this quarterback relationship. But, you know, I think that's maybe why, like us, where we've been huge Baker supporters, we don't hate him. I think it's just like we also realize that he might not be the best. And that's okay. Like, it just might be mediocre vanilla relationship is it okay though i don't know (laughs) it's not up to us right i mean and i've heard over and over again i've seen people tweet it i've heard it in conversations that i've had with my like friends that are sports fans i've had it in conversations with you guys is i think one of the reasons why browns fans are so upset is because joe burrow is what we expected Baker Mayfield to be. And if you think about it, this is almost like Burroughs, not plural, (laughs) possessive. Did you just call him Burroughs? No, Burroughs possessive, uh, Burroughs rookie year, because he 
was very yeah. severely injured in his rookie year. And he sat out yeah. almost the entire year and he got surgery and he rehabbed and he came back and was exactly what the Bengals needed him to be when they needed him to be that. And that's what we all expected out of Baker and it didn't really happen. And I think that's another reason why, why fans are so upset because that's the type of thing that they're seeing. And also it's a team that's very, very close to us, both geographically and in, in the division. Yeah, well, I think, too, it's the Burrow and Chase connection that we also thought would be Baker and OBJ, and we obviously know how that whole situation panned out that even makes it a little bit more bitter in our mouths because it, we we were seeing like what we thought was going to live out in our own team living out with a team that's now going to the Super Bowl. And speaking of OBJ, there was another report that came out, what, last Thursday night, I think, Thursday, Friday, about um, – OBJ last offseason told Von Miller to stay away from Cleveland. And this obviously, you know, everybody was in their feelings again all weekend over we have to rehate OBJ, you know, for something else that he did. Do you guys care? Like, should like should we care about this? Sorry, that was Joey. <laughs> <laughs> I know Joey's thoughts. <laughs> she was purring into the mic and then she knocked it over. Oh, I love her. She's a mess. Um, I can't express... I can't express this enough. I I don't care about any of this. I put <laughs> yes. it in here because it happens and I feel obligated to talk about anything, you know, anything that happens, but like I don't I most days I forget that OBJ is even a person. Oh, I do. And I don't wish him anything bad like you know, go win the Super Bowl. This Super Bowl in general to me, the only person I was rooting for was Kyle Shanahan. And that was only because, you know, he presented a PowerPoint <laughs> to get away from Johnny Manziel. <laughs> oh, That's it. That was my of... entire rooting interest was Kyle Shanahan. That's it. So now oh, that I... he's done, like, I don't care about OBJ winning. I don't care that he hates Cleveland. I don't care that he told Von Miller not to come here. I don't care about, you know, Joe Burrow and whether he's from LSU or Ohio State and who claims him. And, you know, my my issue is that. You know, we talk about, like, quarterbacks and stuff. It's getting to the point where... <laughs> I hate to say this, but it's true. This is how I feel. We're starting to have the most unlikable quarterback in the division. <laughs> like, now that Big Ben's gone, I look at Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. And I'm like, man, these are two really, like, nice, good people. <laughs> yeah. It, it makes me sad because not only, like, do you have to have the talent to get past these two for, you know, the foreseeable future, but you have to rally behind someone who's not as likable as <laughs> It's hell. We're also, in hell. I want to say this about OBJ. I, I think that people, the, the people of Cleveland, the Clevelanders, I think you need to stop taking things personally. I don't think OBJ hates Cleveland. I don't think OBJ hates the Browns. I don't think he hates this city. I think when he was telling Von Miller not to come to Cleveland, I think it was during, I think he, I think OBJ kind of saw the writing on the wall and OBJ was looking at this team and looking at Baker and saying, I don't think that we're going to go to a Super Bowl. I don't think that this is, this team is it. And so if Von Miller was looking around for a new team and he was like, hey, OBJ, why don't I come with you? OBJ's 
probably said, like, if you want to win a Super Bowl, this isn't the place to do it. I don't think it's an indictment on the team or the people or the city. I just think that OBJ had it in his mind that he wasn't going to be in Cleveland past this season. Um, yeah. yeah. And didn't want Von Miller to come here knowing that he was going to be on his way out. So I agree with Brittany. I don't care. I think that people are just taking it way too personally for no reason at all. Yeah. I, the only thing that bothered me about it, and I was a staunch OBJ supporter, and it wasn't even really about him saying that, because I also was thinking, too, like when he said this in the offseason, he was also rehabbing his ACL. I mean, his headspace was, like, leaving the team, the team having success without him, and then literally that's all anyone was talking about was how the Browns were better without OBJ. So I was thinking, like, for the time, like, that headspace was also interesting. But to that point, too, Meredith, like, he probably also thought his time was coming to an end as well after this past year based on his contract and and whatnot. So I just hate the national narrative that then, like, this just – allows people to rip on Cleveland even more. That's the only thing that I don't like about when things like this happen, like LeBron left us twice, and then OBJ is telling his friends, like, talented players not to come to Cleveland. And then I just feel like that just causes everybody to crap on Cleveland, which I don't like. Yeah. Right. And I think I think OBJ tried to do things the right way. You know, he went out to Texas to hang out with Baker. He let him post pictures on social media. A good little Instagram boyfriend. Let him put up the pictures to to be like, "Hey guys, look at how great our relationship is. We're hanging out in Texas." That's you right. know, Obi, you know, and and the fact that these were things that were said in the off season, but it didn't come out until recently. I, it sounds to me, and this is just me reading between the lines, in my opinion, that I think OBJ really did try to do things the right way and when he came to the realization that things weren't going to work out, that he wasn't doing well, that the team wasn't doing well and just things weren't doing well in general, because he came to Cleveland to rehab his image and dropped passes, not getting targets, not getting looks, losing games. That's not going to help him rehab his image. So I think it got to the point where he tried to do things right, but then he got to a point where he needed to think about himself first. And then the whole, you know, videos that his dad posted, all that. I think that was just him feeling like he was backed into a corner and he had no other choice. So I don't think that there's any ill feelings from OBJ towards Cleveland. And I think anyone who thinks that probably just needs to take a deep breath and not take things so personally. Well, no, one of the things that like is annoying about it, and it's not even OBJ, it's people that support him. Like, for instance... I mean, LeBron posted, you know, some uh, Instagram story the other day about, you know, poking fun at OBJ to the Browns. And the thing that bothers me about stuff like this, I mean, like, you could think whatever you want and whatever, but it's really kind of a disservice to Andrew Barry specifically, who did everything he could to part ways amicably with no hard feelings. He didn't screw OBJ in any way. He, you know, he, as far as like financially, right? You know, he yes. he could have really put him in a bad spot if he wanted to. And you know, in fairness, OBJ's dad did orchestrate his his exit in a very embarrassing way for the Cleveland yes. Browns. Like Andrew Barry could have been a real dick about this. Yes. And the fact that. You know, the Browns constantly get slammed, not by OBJ, but by his, you know, friends, family, whatever. 
that that rubs me the wrong way and that's not an issue that i have with odell beckham it's the other people because i just feel bad for the for you know people like andrew barry who went about this the right way the mature way did everything they could to make sure both parties were happy and they still get crapped on i'm glad you brought that up Brittany, because it's a really good point about andrew barry's handling of the situation because that whole thing went down and like could have been blown out of even more proportion than it was with the whole Mm -hmm. video and his dad and then you know obj's camp saying that he tried to show up to the building and and i felt like that was like a big cover to make himself look like a good guy like he had no idea this was going on like come on dude but andrew barry could have not let him go from the team and he could have Mm -hmm. sat the season not played at all like not attended anything and just let him die this year yeah and here he is playing in a super bowl so in my opinion, if OBJ wants to be the good guy, he'd come out and publicly thank the Browns organization and Andrew Berry specifically for their yeah. handling of a really shitty situation. Absolutely. But instead, he's going to talk about how he is rebirthed and how he had this new life by leaving this team and he's back to himself and blah, 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 blah. That's all we're going to hear these next two weeks. So brace yourselves, everyone. I'm ready. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I have to. I, I ha- might be ready. I have to ask you guys this question, and then we're gonna have to sign off. So we're gonna have to leave. We'll do a little teaser for the next episode because they will still be here. The herd of sausages segment of our show <laughs> will be here for next week because unfortunately, these sausages they don't expire. Oh, I'm public enemy number one right now, so don't you worry. They will be there next week. So I'm going to leave the show, you guys, with asking you a question because Johnny Manziel also came out of the woodwork. All these like people coming out of the woodwork, like the ghost of Brown's past, will not go away. He weighed in on the entire situation, too. And I have to ask you guys, Hugh Jackson or Johnny Manziel, more annoying? And by the way, I don't know if you saw, I just caught word that Hugh Jackson was on SportsCenter tonight. So he is. Yeah, he was supposed to be on at uh, 6 o'clock. I'm not watching because, quite frankly, I do not care. He's basically saying a lot of stuff without proving anything. Which we expected him to do. Yeah, there's, like, oh, no yeah. new information. But yeah. can they both be equally as annoying? Like, Johnny Manziel? I'm going to go with Johnny Manziel. He has it in his bio that Cleveland sucks. Yeah, I hate him. <laughs> I like, was going to say I was gonna say Hugh, just because, like, with Johnny, I feel like he's just trying to troll. And he's, like, purposely trying to rile people up just because it's funny. Like, Hugh legitimately hates Cleveland. He does. Like, I think, I think with Hugh, it's... both legitimately hate yeah. Imagine hating Cleveland. Right. Like, what? What is wrong with you that you hate Cleveland? Like, we don't hurt anyone. Agreed. No. And, like, honestly, I moved here. I've been here for five years next month. I wouldn't be here if I didn't like it here, you know? And I and I came from a big city, from Washington, D.C. I was living in a quote-unquote it city in Nashville, Tennessee. And I love Cleveland to death. This has been one of my favorite cities that I've ever lived in. So yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I think that... I don't know. People who hate Cleveland have some, there's something not wiring. They're, they have some misfirings in their brain. Yeah, this one's tough for me because they're both pretty intolerable. I would have to give the edge to... The... <laughs> tough one. I'd say Johnny just because, first of all, grow up. Start calling yourself John. Okay, John Manziel. He just, 
he had the world given to him on a silver platter. Like, here you go, little guy. You have everything. And he partied himself out of all of it. And he now, wore a wig in Las Vegas. Yes, oh my God. He has this insane entitlement issue. He hates Cleveland because he, think that, he thinks that Cleveland took something from him. When really, dude... This guy put on a a 30-page presentation to get the hell away from you. Just you. Not Cleveland, not the city, not not the Haslam's. You. Yes. Imagine Preach. what that's like. And then, you know, he's sitting there he he's on Twitter tweeting this while Kyle Shanahan is in the NFC Championship. And it's like, dude, you could have had everything and your your arrogance and your ego destroyed all of it and you just want to blame everyone but you which i guess could sort of it's almost the same with you jackson again i don't like these victim mentalities when you had something and then you're just a victim of everything like okay the world's just against you i got it so the annoying thing about johnny manzel i i call it jersey shore syndrome um because all of the people who are on jersey shore in the early 2000s like snooki and jay wow and um situation all them they were literal nobodies that got put on a reality show and they were catapulted to fame and they are still famous. They are still on TV and they're people who literally did nothing with their lives. And then all of a sudden they're on TV and they're super famous. So I call it the Jersey Shore effect because people want to be celebrities, but they don't want to do something that would make them famous in a good way. Like they don't have the ability to get cast in a big movie or TV show. They're not musically talented. They're not going to write a great book. Like they don't have anything to their name other than drinking and partying. So they want to use that and become this uber famous celebrity. So I think Johnny Manziel had Jersey Shore syndrome where he wanted to be a celebrity and be able to party and be able to do what he wanted without taking into consideration the amount of discipline and focus it takes to be an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I think that's really what it comes down to with Johnny. Yeah, agree. All right, ladies. Well, that'll end our show tonight, and we'll hopefully be able to get to the herd of sausages next week. <laughs> I can't, can't wait. wait. I can't wait. Thank you guys all for listening. We're happy to be back. Glad you guys could tune in. Um, as always, shoot us a note on Twitter. Follow us on Spotify. Uh, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you guys get your podcasts. Leave us a little review. We'd love to hear from you. Have a good night, and we will talk to you guys all next week.